Good morning. Testing, testing. One, two, three. <laughs> wow. Gosh, how do you follow a morning like that? How do you... I, what I love is, um, often as a preacher, you know, sometimes you have a sort of feeling of like, oh, if I really heard from God what I'm going to bring today. And on days like today when he basically does everything that you were going to say before you get the chance to say it, you just know, okay, I've, I've heard from God and we're on point, which is exciting. So... Uh, I'm excited for us to get into things today. We're looking at the next in our series. Uh, we've been going through the Songs of Ascent, and we've come to Psalm 126. So if you want to be flicking to that uh, and getting ready, then you can do. Um, the title for today is Joy, which hopefully won't be a surprise <laughs> based on the kind of worship time that we've had. Um, but I would add a, a subtitle to that um, to expand it a little bit, The Practice of Joy the practice of joy. So first of all, let's set some context. What do we mean when we're talking about joy? What kind of thing springs to our mind? Well, let me tell you that first of all, biblical joy is not wishful thinking. It's not sitting there thinking, I hope something good will happen. I hope that my life will go the way I want it to, or I hope that this situation will turn out favorably. It isn't the power of positive thinking got to have this positive mental mindset to attract the good vibes. It's not that. It's not good circumstances. It's not life going the way you need it to, and therefore you have joy, although that can be part of it. Joy is actually the consequence of a choice that we can make. We have the power to choose to step into joy. It is a hallmark of the kingdom of God. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, Paul says that the kingdom of God is not, uh, he says, eating and drinking, so um, religious rules and ceremonies, but it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the kingdom of God. So it's a a foundational characteristic. Righteousness, obviously, is the uh, purity and holiness that we get by dying to ourselves and uh, being united with Christ and raised with him. And peace, obviously, comes from that relationship that we have with him, and joy is a hallmark foundation as well. Joy is also our strength. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So joy is uh, the energy and impetus to carry us through trials and difficult times and circumstances. So joy is pretty good. (laughs) Joy is happiness in God. It is uh, having joy in good times is easy, but our ability to come through trials intact depends on our ability to practice joy in all seasons of life. So why don't we pray together and then we'll open the Psalms up. Father, I thank you so much for what you've been doing with us, what you've been saying to us and encouraging us in. Thank you, Lord, that you love us, that you're for us, that you're with us, that you've redeemed us and saved us, that you've made us a joyous people, that we can shout it out and lift up one voice in worship of our King of Kings. Thank you, Lord, that we are the people of God. We have an eternal future in you. We will live forever in you. We bless you. We love you. We celebrate you. We shout for joy at who you are and at your name. And we invite you now. Come and show us more of this kingdom, more of this hallmark of your rule and reign in our hearts. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's get into the passage. So Psalm 126, uh, again, it's one of these songs of ascent sung by Israel as they went up to worship. 
I love that. Before they even got to the temple to start their worship, they were worshipping. I love that. I mean, did we ever walk to church singing something like freedom uh, in the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom? Maybe we should start doing that. I don't know. Uh, And it's very much a celebration of who God is and what God has done in people's lives. It's Israel remembering their past, celebrating that, taking joy in that, and praying for God to do more, to do the same again. So let's, uh, let's read through it. <clears throat> when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negeb. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. I love this psalm because it's almost split into two. Right at the very center, at the end of verse three, it says, we are glad, present tense, we are glad. But before that, leading up to that, it's looking at the past. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. And everything that follows from the end of verse three is that prayer for the future. Restore our fortunes, O Lord. Those who sow shall reap with shouts of joy. So this highlights to us something key about the practice of joy. It involves looking in both directions. So first of all, those who've been restored cultivate joy by remembering and rejoicing. Verses one to three. So Israel was exiled to Babylon. You can imagine how they might have been feeling being taken away into that situation, a foreign land. No idea if they would ever see their homes again. No idea what it'd be like, how they'd be treated. I mean, probably anticipating the worst. And for us, um, before Jesus came into our lives, before he acted, we were in a similar situation. You know, they were being treated like slaves, we were like slaves to our sinful natures. The minute our sinful nature put its hand up and said, actually, I want this, we had no power but to obey its desires. We were like debtors to God. We owed God for our, our sins, and Israel was treated like they, they owed a debt to their masters. And they were oppressed. And we were oppressed by Satan. We had uh, no protection from his schemes, his lies, his... Uh, snares, the things that he would throw into our way to trip us up, trap us, etc. Thinking about this reminded me of my granddad and during the Second World War he um, was taken as a prisoner of war and he was in a a prisoner of war camp and you can imagine maybe from films like The Great Escape or something like that, although that's obviously a hammed up version, something of the oppression and the fear of being in that environment. You know, you put a foot wrong and you get, you get severe consequences. You're, I don't know, made to work. I'm kind of imagining them breaking rocks. I don't know where I get that from. Um, cleaning the camp, you know, with your toothbrush. You know, all sorts of unpleasant horribleness. Uh, you're not your own master. And this was the uh, environment my granddad lived in in this camp. Until one day, the... Uh, actually, sorry. Uh, he, just to draw the comparison between himself and Israel to help us see it, like a, a slave he was treated 
he was like a debtor having to work for uh, every, every day, and he was oppressed. Until one day when his hope turned up, the American forces arrived, and they liberated the camps. And you can imagine that moment, suddenly a shout goes up, maybe the prison guards have fled and they've just left you locked up, and suddenly a shout goes up, there's somebody at the gates. And they're there with wire cutters, they break the chains, and the gates are flung open, and in comes this triumphant, liberating force. And you can imagine that feeling. Like Verse 1 says that when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. It's that sense of, is this real? Like, did that just happen? Are we now leaving our captivity? Have the Americans just turned up? Is this an end to the oppression that we've been experiencing? I can't believe it. I can't get my head around this. And he was liberated. He was freed. And it had such a profound impact on him. He, his surname was Jones. And he decided to take the, the name of the commander of the American forces, and he gave it to his son. So my dad became Jefferson Jones. And so I, too, am Jefferson Jones. And we're carrying on that heritage of liberation, of freedom, that identity of, yeah, we're a freed people now. We exist because God set us free. So this is what Jesus has done for us. He came into our internment camp, slaves to sin, debtors to God, oppressed by Satan. He came into that camp and he said, I'm going to do something about this. He set us free. He broke those chains off. He paid our debt to God so we now do not have to pay God for our sins. We die to the identity of that man or woman that we were and we step into the new freedom that he has given to us. We are no longer oppressed by Satan. We have the authority to stand in Christ Jesus, to weather the storms, and to send the devil packing when he comes at us with his lies. And so is it any wonder that we can also say then, in verse 2, our mouths are filled with laughter, and our tongues are filled with shouts of joy. We have the greatest reason on earth to be a happy and joyous people. Yeah, we go through the storms of life, and that could be hard. But ultimately, we have that foundation of joy which belongs to us. Now, when the Americans turned up, I wasn't there, so I don't know this for sure, but I I doubt that my uh, granddad then just went back to his hut and had a lay down on his bench or continued cracking the rocks with his pickaxe. That might be a bit more prospector than uh, the real thing, but um, he didn't continue to keep his prisoner mindset. He could have stayed in the internment camp, carried on doing the same things and thinking the same way, but would he have stepped into his freedom and his joy if he'd done that? No, definitely not. Actually, he could have left the camp with the Americans and still continued to think like a prisoner. So actually just walking out of the camp isn't all it takes. It's switching the mindset. He had to step into his freedom. I want us to understand today that the practice of joy starts with remembering what God has done for us, looking back, And then we cultivate our joy by stepping into our new mindset as his freed people. We also cultivate joy by looking forward in anticipation. So verses 4 to 6, it says, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev was a region to the south of Israel. It was a desert region. Once a year, the rains would come, and suddenly this desert would spring into fresh growth and life as the streams flowed through it. I want to say today that faith 
doesn't see deserts, it sees streams. I remember a couple of years ago, I'd just started a new part-time job, and um, it was in St. Albans, near Sopwell House, if you know it. And Tessie very kindly was driving me to work each morning, and we were finding it challenging for her to drop me off and then have time to get back to Barnet to start her work for nine. So we were thinking, this isn't really going to work. I mean, I can get the bus, but that's a, quite a long journey. Um, that's going to be a bit of a challenge. We do kind of need a, a second car. This is going to be a trouble. because We were not in a position to afford one at the time. So we were thinking this, feeling this, and the following week, uh, Colin and Jane posted on Facebook that their mum had a car she was looking to uh, send on to a new home. She wasn't looking for anyone to buy it. It was going to be given. And so we saw that and we thought, we need to snap this up. <laughs> and so we did, and I'm, we're still driving that car to this day. That was the provision of God out of nowhere. Out of nowhere coming abundance. So I've learned this, this lesson in my life. Problems are packaging. Problems are packaging. God is so able to meet us in our point of need that actually the problem is just an opportunity for him to step in, meet our need and provide for us so that trials produce testimonies. So problems are packaging. Trials produce testimonies. Jesus knew this when he went to the cross. We've already heard from Hebrews 12 this morning. Verse 2 says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Think about that for a second. Imagine, okay, so imagine the cross from a human point of view. Incredible, intense pain. Humiliation and shame. Being abandoned. Then step it up. This was the holy son of God, the injustice of him going to the cross and taking our sins. That sense of, oh, I really, really hate what I'm embracing right now. And yet it says, for the joy that was put the other side of that, he said, I will do it. He said, I will count this as worth the price I have to pay to get that at the end of it. For the joy that was put before him, he endured the cross. This is why joy is strength. Joy sees streams where others see only deserts. That's why joy can say, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. When God is involved, he who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. The practice of joy also involves seeing through trials to anticipate a testimony. By trusting God to work for good, we begin to see problems as packaging. Now in my life, uh, at the moment, I have experienced something of this. When I first looked at the topic, I thought, God, I don't see myself as a particularly joyful person, and I feel like you've given me this topic, but I don't know what I'm going to have to bring. Then I go through the trial, and now I feel like I have a bit of an understanding of it. <laughs> so it's been a bit of a tough time at work recently, um, sort of June and July particularly being been quite difficult. It's been characterized by anxiety, self-doubt, confusion, and the path ahead of me has never been clear. What I've chosen to do in light of the lessons I've learned in my past about dealing with difficulties and seeing problems as packaging is I've chosen to pray. I've chosen to 
ground myself in God's identity, returning to the word, refreshing my memory and saying, this is who I am, this is what I'm going to believe about myself, that God's called me, that I'm redeemed, I'm part of his holy people, that I will live forever in the new heaven and the new earth, and that's my destination. And I've then chosen to believe that he will work good from this situation, even if every day is, is, is a challenge and I have to keep returning to him every day just to get refreshed, just to be able to have the strength to go through the next day. I've chosen to believe that good will come of that. Even if the good is only he builds my character or he shows his own glory, I'll choose to be satisfied with that and say, that's enough, Lord. That's the joy that will get me through the trial. And actually the resolution, so I have just come out of that period now, the resolution has been that God has provided for me in unexpected ways. You know, he's put the stream in the, the desert. He's left me encouraged. I can honestly say through that trial, I've had joy. I was able to look at the situation and pray into it and not just pray for my own needs, but pray for those involved in it, the ones with whom I was finding things difficult, and actually pray blessing over them, speak life over them, because our fight isn't against flesh and blood. It's about principalities and powers. So he's filled me with joy in him, no matter the duration or the destination. So today I want to uh, encourage us to choose joy. Philippians 4 says, uh, rejoice always. In every situation, circumstance, rejoice. And it's a choice that we can make. We can choose, you make the choice to rejoice. There you go. If you haven't had enough nice pithy sayings, there's another one for you. Write it down. Um, Having joy in good times is easy. But our ability to come through trials intact depends on our ability to practice joy in all seasons of life. We look back and embrace our new identity and rejoice in his works. And we look forward and anticipate. We see problems as packaging and we know trials give us testimonies because our God is good and our God is able. I don't know what situations you are currently facing what trials you might be going through. I don't know how deep or how dark they may feel. As I say, joy is not about having excellent circumstances. It can be present in the midst of the hardest times and the most difficult circumstances. So I'd love to just finish by praying over us. And then we're going to have the band uh, come up and uh, lead us in a final song, I think. Perhaps if they can come up now, actually, and be ready, we'll pray now. But I just want to pray over you uh, energy to keep sowing, even though the time feels like it's a time of sowing in tears. I want to pray the strength to keep that sowing going and the vision to see the streams in the desert. And I want to pray for the return of joy into your life, into your heart. Because ultimately, even though our moods and our feelings ebb and flow, our lives should be and can be characterised by that foundation, just like we can fall into sin and come back out of it. That righteousness of Christ stays the same. This is Christ's joy, and it's always there to tap into. We can always return to it. So why don't we just bow our heads and we'll just pray now. Wow, Lord, thank you so much for what you've done for us. I want to thank you that when we were locked up in that internment camp, 
you came in, that liberating force. You kicked down the doors and said, I claim these people as my own. You said, slaves be free, debtors be released. You oppressed, I declare that you are no longer under the oppression of the enemy, you are mine. I've raised you up with me and seated you with me in heavenly places. Lord Jesus, we choose to lay behind our, our prisoner mindset. Teach us and show us the ways that we're thinking that don't line up with the truth so that we can leave that place behind and step into the fullness of a new life in you. Thank you that you've liberated us. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are good. You are mighty. You are attentive. You are able to work good out of even the worst circumstances and situations. Even if our suffering is prolonged, we can endure it because we know you endured the cross for the joy set before you. We are eternal beings. We will dwell with you in the new heaven and the new earth where every tear is wiped away. And for now, we steel ourselves and we lean on you and say, okay, Lord, even if we have to sow in tears, we trust we will reap in joy. God, give us testimonies in our trials. Help us to see our problems as packaging. Right now, I release in the name of Jesus fresh strength, fresh vitality to face each day. I release joy over you in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come blow on through. Lighten our burdens. Help us to stand in you each day. Help us to see the streams and the give and return our joy. In Jesus' name, amen.